You know, I was thinking, as I was thinking about the message, um, I was thinking back, well, we've got, we had Nathan, and he spoke, he talked about the body and the church, and that was really good, and then we had Mr. Mike, and he talked about just the raw presence of God, and that was amazing, and, uh, I, you know, it's No Shave November right now, and I don't look like Brother Mike, he's got No Shave 2016, 17, 18 going on. Um, but, you know, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so anyways, would you join me in prayer real, real quick? We're going to talk to our Lord and Savior. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and it's, it's good to giggle. It's good to laugh in church, Lord. We welcome your spirit in this place. We know that you're here. We felt you, God. We rest in your presence, God. We, we silence ourselves. We come at peace because your spirit of peace is here, Lord. God, I pray that your perfect love will cast out all fear. Lord, as we receive your word this evening, God, I pray that you would speak through me and that it would all be you speaking this evening, Lord. We give you glory and praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up a young boy. Spoiler alert. Um, anyways, when I was growing up, there were a, a few things that I loved. Okay, one of them was Jesus. I love Jesus a lot, and I hope you do too. But um, I love Jesus. I would beg my dad to go to church because I'd just be so bored, and I was an only child, and I was like, well, there's like kids at church, and they want to hang out and be my friend. And, um, that was one thing I loved. Another thing I loved was music. I ironically didn't even do music anything when I was a child. got my first guitar when I was 12, and then I didn't start playing until I was like 17. Um, and so now I've been doing it for a while, and um, it's gotten to take me to some amazing places in life. And uh, it's, it's awesome to use a gift that I really feel like the Lord had just slowly cultivated in me to, to give him glory. A gift that he gave to me that I can give back to others and, and to him. Um, and so that was one thing that I really liked as a kid. And then another thing was food. I love food, as you can tell. And... Uh, I love snacks, and I love my friends. I like hanging out with my buddies and my pals and my friends. And I love anything water-related. So I grew up in Knoll, Missouri. I, I don't know if anybody's ever been there or heard of it. Um, it's about 40 minutes from here. And the Elk River runs right through it, and it is just gorgeous. you got the beautiful bluffs on the side and the river running through, straight through the middle of the town. It's like a giant cereal bowl of just gorgeous Jesus' creation. It's awesome. And I would go and fish and swim there every single summer. Um, my dad and I taught me how, or my dad taught me how to fish, and we would go and fish, and I would swim and pretend to be a fish, and it was great. Um, and I loved swimming, and I remember learning how to swim. Um, it was a lot of fun, and I remember, you know, when you're first swimming, you know, maybe you're at a pool, and your, your mom or your dad is in the water, and you're up here, and you're like, Oh boy! Oh, oh, it's a close one. And uh, your parents are in the water, and they are looking at you, and they are just so excited to see you splash their face. And my dad would always, whenever I was learning, and he would try and get me to jump off the diving board at the pool or whatever, he'd say, "Come on, jump! Daddy's got you. Daddy's got you. I'll catch you." And so I'd be like, "Well, you're my dad. If you got me, okay." <laughs> and and I'd jump, and he'd catch me just like he said he would. And 
And I love that. That was awesome. And that's the title for tonight is Daddy's Got You. All right, so we're going to be talking about trusting God. Whenever you have, um, he is calling you to do something. He's asking you to leap out, to jump out in faith, to step out onto those waters. little foreshadowing there. Um, whenever God is asking you to do that, how do you respond? What do you do? What are the emotions that come up? Is it fear? Is it confidence? Is it excitement? What is it? And so we're just going to be talking about that a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, I was saying earlier, this is a message that um, I'm still learning every single day. But when I wrote this, I was going through, you know, the wobbly knees and the sweaty face and the, I don't know if I can make this jump, God. That's just, it's scary. You're asking a lot of me. I don't want to step out onto those waters. Those waves are huge. And and at the time that I wrote this, this was my second year of Bible college, and we were on a stateside spring break trip, and I was in North Carolina, and they had asked me to speak at this church um, to the young adults and to, to the youth. It was a group about this size and as young as all you look, and it was great. And, and um, I had delivered this message in a time of my life where I felt like I was in the middle of stepping out on the water, and I felt like God had said, Ryan Cox, you are going to go to Bible college, and you are going to learn about me and my calling for you. I'm like, well, that's sweet. Jesus, I can't wait. And I'm going along, and I get to my second year, and this was around spring break time, a March, and I got two more months before I graduate and have to figure out where on earth is he going to send me? Where on earth am I going to go? And I thought, well, you know, I could do a lot of people. They would stay in Tulsa, and they'd stay at that giant mega church, you know, just because mega churches don't have enough people in them. Um, <laughs> it's a joke. It's okay. Um, and I was like, well, that'd be a lot of fun. You know, I could stay here. And, and um, it'd be great, you know. Um, I won't go back to tiny old Noel. There's only four girls in that town. Uh, <laughs> um, just kidding. Just kidding. Devin's like, I know you're fronting right now, man. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Um, and I thought, well, is God calling me to more schooling? I had actually applied to Oral Roberts University, the most expensive school on earth. It so, it so happens. It's for like thousand per one year of tuition. And I heard about this whole man scholarship or something like that. And I, I went and applied for it. And they were like, Sent something in the mail, and they're like, congratulations, you get $8,000 in scholarships. And I was like, that is so much money. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. That's like 10 years at VBC. <laughs> and I was like, that's so cool. And I was like, I, I was like, well, all right, well, let's do some math. I went to school, and I had an apart or a dorm, and I was eating food. I'm negative $40,000 for only one year. God, I don't know if that's what you're asking me to do. <laughs> you didn't even call me to be broke, did you? Uh, <laughs> call me to cry every night, eating ramen every day. <laughs> you already gave me the ramen pooch, God. I don't want to work out. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and so I thought, well, back home I had something called the A-plus scholarship, and it's basically you just – go to high school and you don't be a criminal and you get a 2.5 and they give you two free years at any community college in Missouri. It's a huge blessing. It's really cool. 
It's super easy. You just like attended school and they were like, here you go. Um, and so I was like, well, I think I'll just do that. And so I, w- I went home, moved back in uh, with my dad and my stepmom, lived on their luxurious couch for a solid nine and a half months and um, wore it down. And that was really cool. Um, lost my bedroom. My bedroom used to have a r- cool race car bed and SpongeBob light. And then it had, <laughs> it was pink and it had princesses everywhere. And I was like, well, dad, way to go. You got married and you got kids and you gave my room away, you big meanie. Um, <laughs> where my race car bed at? You're 20. Oh, okay. Uh, well, anyways, so I had come home and that was a really dark time in my life. Um, the, the really the, the best thing that I had going for me in that moment was I was serving at my home youth group, and I felt like God had a- God had asked me to be the worship leader for the youth group, and so I did that for the entire school year, and I, att- I attended Crowder College. I did 12 full-time credits, and at the end of the first semester, I pocketed 10 full-time credits, and <laughs> college orientation. Um, that's not something to boast about, guys. Um, so anyways, and... That was really the only, like, small, gleaming light that I thought I had seen from God in that that dark tunnel of a time. And uh, it was just, it was difficult, and it was really hard. And I was like, God, this isn't what you called me to. You called me to be a youth pastor and to go into all the world and preach the gospel and raise the dead and eat ramen. Um, And so it was a really difficult time. And... I had to remind myself, you know what? This isn't the end. I'm not dead. There's more to this life. I have to I have to trust him. And and so I just continued to seek him through that and then it like I said it brought me through the ranch and then it through Bible college if it weren't for me meeting Mr. Branson Ferguson, I wouldn't have met Mr. Ken Ferguson. I wouldn't have met Mr. Clyde and I really wouldn't be here. So the Lord works in mysterious ways and it might take 6 years but God will call you to where he wants you. And if you're faithful to listen, you'll get there. I'm just kidding. Um, so this message is kind of geared towards people who, you know, maybe you already know what to do with your life. It's just a good reminder and, you know, sweet. Just trust that daddy's got you. Awesome. Um, or maybe you're the second kind of person and you just have no idea what to do at all. And this could apply to anybody. This could apply to the 13-year-old in the room, or the 33-year-old in the room, or the 63-year-old in the room. It doesn't really matter. Um, you might think, well, I, I know that there's still breath in my lungs, and I know that God has something for me. I just don't know what it is right now. And that might be you. And that's okay, because you're in the right place. Amen? Or you might, not, you might know what to do, but you have no idea how. And that's where I had found myself at the turn of my Bible college career and the opening of the new page of going back to Podunk, Knoll, Missouri. And and I had thought, well, God, what you s- how do I do this? And I had come along. Um, I had spent a lot of time in his word at that time when I was off from classes. And actually my second semester, like I said, I didn't go back to college. I went to work for a Lazy Boy factory driving a Zamboni, and that was awesome. All the ladies liked my Zamboni. Um, 
Um, but anyways, so that's what I had done for the second year. And I had a lot of extra time to myself where um, on my lunch break, I would go out into my truck and I would I would listen to uh, Bot Radio, if you've ever heard of it. They got Ravi Zacharias and they got all kinds of other really awesome speakers. They got uh, Jonathan Stockstill and it's awesome. I even heard Pastor Paul from my old Victory Church in Tulsa. Um and that was the just that little tiny light that had really just pulled me through that time. Um, and I, I just had to remember reading um, this scripture here in Matthew 6. So if you wanted to read along with me, you're welcome to. This is in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus is talking to his disciples here. And he's saying, this is why I tell you, this is shortly after he's talking about serving two masters and that sort. So he says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. And Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't, they're not stressed. They're not running around in circles like you, and they're not complaining about how they don't have enough worms to eat or anything like that. They're getting taken care of. He says, they don't plant or harvest or store in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them every single day. And aren't you far more valuable than a bird? Can all of your worries even add just a single moment to your life? And what Jesus is trying to say in this moment is, whatever it may be, whether you're getting to an aspect of life where you're like, well, God, I'm, I moved here. And you asked me to start up my business, but how do I do that? Or, well, God, you put me in this platform, and we're going to build a new church, but uh, I ain't never built a church before. (laughs) Whatever it may be, God, Jesus here is saying, stop, stop it. Stressing, that's not going to help you out. That's not going to add more time to your life. If anything, it's going to take it away, and you're wasting your time. Rather, you should just be focused on giving God glory and and living for him, worshiping him and praising him, focusing on what he had called you to do, and just going going through life until he tells you otherwise. I had a professor in Bible college. He had once told me, just go and assume that it's God until he tells you no. I was like, oh, okay. Um, Maybe, sometimes. Um, And so this was a moment in my life where I had, I had to realize, okay, you know what? The peace of the Lord is around me. The Holy Spirit is in me. God has told me what to do. He has called me to this place, and I'm going to serve him to the best of my abilities, and I'm going to stay here until he tells me to pick up camp and leave. And I've got my phone here. I uh, came here straight after work, and I didn't have my special green Bible. Have anybody, has anybody here seen my green Bible? The one that's like falling apart? It's my favorite, but I forgot it. Um, Okay. I just want to read just a couple verses here that talk about trusting the Lord. First one is Joshua 1.9, and they are saying, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And often we might not see it, we might not see him, 
it's much like that illustration CJ had given a couple Sundays back, talking about the man who was walking through the desert, heading towards the water, passed out, woke back up at the water and only saw one foot track the whole time. Sometimes, can, I, can you stand up here with me? Would you mind standing? Yeah, you, come on. Come on. Sometimes God is going to be right here with you. you like, All right, hey, you know, I got you. Come on, let's go. We're going to walk this way. I got you. We're going to head this way. You good? Yep. Good. And then sometimes you might get tired. I don't know if I can pick you up, so pretend. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and so <laughs> Okay, let's go back. That was a silly illustration. Go sit down. <laughs> um, and there are going to be other times in life where God, you know, you might just be barely able to make it. And God is still going to be there to pick you up. He's still going to be there to help you. And, and we're going to get into that a little bit, but just, I feel like God has given me the the gift of encouragement and exhortation and that sort of thing. Um, and my favorite style of preaching is just, it's just a reminder. I'm a forgetful person. Um, you know, I, when I was younger, my dad would say, hey, remind me to stop by the store. And I said, you remind me to remind you to stop by the store because I'm going to forget that. Um, and I'm just a forgetful person, so I need reminders. And we need to be reminded to trust God. Um, and the reasons why we should trust God is, well, he's trustworthy. You know, he's a good guy. He's got a good reputation so far, and I think he always will. Um, we need to learn that our daddy, our Abba, our father, the one who is asking us of something, asking us to jump out into the water, to stay, take that leap of faith. We need to remember that he's loving. He's not like an earthly father. I don't know about everybody in the room, but I know I've met some people, and, and some people, they might not have the best earthly father. They've not had a good representation of what God's love is truly like. They've, met some, they've had a father that on this earth is just abusive and, and mean and hurtful. Um, or it might be a mother who just wasn't in your life. But we need to remember, God is a different kind of parent. He loves you so much that even though we turned away from him, he adopted us back. He put us right under his wing, right under his arm. He says, I'm going to do this with you. I need you to trust me, okay? We need to go, yes, sir. Yes, daddy. Um... We need to remember that he cares, to cast our, lo- our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. He is giving. If you've ever heard the word Jehovah Jireh, that's Hebrew for he is our provider. He's going to give us what we need, not always what we want. You know, sometimes I want a giant 70-inch 4K screen TV. I don't really need that right now. I already have a tiny TV, so, you know, it don't matter. Um, I don't even watch it because I'm always working. Um <laughs> But we need to remember that God is going to give us what we need. He will supply all of our needs. I want to read Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ever ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And God is able to perform exceedingly and abundantly and above and A++++ above whatever we would ever be able to think or imagine or make up. 
he will overperform every time for you. So whenever you are at that moment of stepping out in faith and, and you're really lost and you're, you're caught, and it might be dark, it might be confusing, it might not look like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. One cool thing about my hometown, Knoll, is that there are a lot of caves. If you've ever heard of Bluff Dweller's Cave, there's one there. Or there's uh, there was that one in Lanigan. can't remember what it's called, but it was in the Ripley's, believe it or not, something. It was a cave. Anyways, I love caving. I love spelunking. And my dad, last two Christmases ago, bought me this big, uh, cool uh, headlamp. It's like 4,000 lumens or something. It's like having a head car headlight on your face. And uh, it's really cool, but you need to remember when you go... Uh, with your buddies and you're in the tunnel and they call your name, you go, what? That you go, what? Because they're going to fall over and you're going to have to carry them out and <laughs> salamanders are going to be in their head. Um, but um, I love I love caving. And whenever I go, um, it, it is just beautiful to see what, what water does over time and to see what the Lord ha- has hidden even. We have beauty to see outside and there's even beauty to see inside the earth. And that's just, oh man, I love it. And that has nothing to do with my sermon. I just wanted to let you know I love caving. Um, no, but um, I love caving. And when I moved to Tulsa for college, there was a, there weren't caves because it's Tulsa and there's like 500,000 people in that town. And um, it's all concrete and there aren't no trees and it's not that cool. But um, one thing that I did find out uh, is that you can go tunneling um, and, <laughs> and there are tunnels underneath the roads where the water drains out, and I think it was clean rainwater. Um, <laughs> and so I would go tunneling, and it's funny, the farther that you get down the tunnel, obviously, the darker it gets. Um, but as you, when you turn around, it doesn't matter how far back you got, how far away you get, the closer you get to the entrance, the closer you get to the light, the more you can see, the more that gets revealed to you. And that's kind of like life. Sometimes, you know, we might be really far away from what God has called us. It might look kind of dark. It might be kind of scary. It might even be a little smelly. Um, <laughs> and as you keep going, the light is going to show more and more. And you're going to look around and you're going to realize, wow, God's doing a lot in my life, actually. Now that I think back on it, God, that was kind of a hard time for me when I was going through college and had no idea what to do. But, you know, you worked through me. I got to minister to kids at my youth group in that time where, where I was struggling. There was one boy that God had put on my heart through that whole year. And by the end, I got to see him turn his life to Christ. And that's not anything on me, but that's just helping him and, and showing him and, and doing life with him to show him that he is indeed loved. And and that paid off. That was beautiful. And and it's it's good to see as you walk down this road that is life or through that tunnel, that God is still doing a lot. It doesn't matter if you see it or not, but God's doing a lot. So I want to turn to Matthew 24. And this is actually one of my most favorite stories in the Bible. And I'm not just saying that because I'm preaching on it. If you ask me what my favorite stories in the Bible were, I would tell you. It is this, where Peter walks on water. It's where Elijah calls out all those prophets of Baal and, like, dumps all the water on the sacrifice, and then God sends the lightning and sets it on fire. I think that's awesome. 
And then it's anything in the book of Philippians and the book of Revelation. Those are my favorites, so now you know. Um, so kind of the backstory here. Um, and no, I'm not texting. I have two Bibles here because um, I'm special, special Bible. Book of Matthew, chapter 14. Sorry, did I say 24? Chapter 14, and we're going to be starting around verse 20. What is happening here in the Bible, um, this is just after Jesus had fed the 5,000, which cool little side nugget that I learned in Bible college. There wasn't actually just 5,000. It was 5,000 dudes. Yeah, and then their wives. So 10,000, and then their kids. So, at l you know, at least 13,000. Like, that's a lot. And Jesus was took some bread and cracked it open, and everybody had bread, and everybody had fish, and that's freaking cool. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and so in that moment, they, <laughs> oh, man. they are next to a lake, and Jesus goes to the, goes to the disciples and says, hey, um, I need to take care of a couple things. Uh, hop on that boat and be on your way, and I'll meet you. And it doesn't show the dialogue necessarily, but I'd like to imagine that the disciples are like, uh, Jesus, did you bring your floaties? Or like, how are you going to get over there? Is, there's not a second boat. So what's up? How are you going <laughs> to? And he's like, no, just trust me. I got I to gotta take care of some business. And so they hop in the boat and they take off. And one thing that I really, really like about Jesus is he's, he's a little bit of an introvert sometimes from what I've read. And so what he does is he goes off into the wilderness to pray. How many know if you were just hanging out with at least 13,000 people, you're going to want a little bit of alone time afterwards, huh? So he goes off into the wilderness. After sending them home, this is verse 23. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen. And they were fighting heavy waves. I want to pause right there just to kind of create the atmosphere. This is cool. Because Jesus went up on a hill in the beautiful wilderness that his dad made to go talk to his dad. And then he comes back down and there's a strong wind. There's a storm. I'd like to imagine there's a crackle of thunder in the distance. That's what that sounds like. Um, and it's starting to rain. And I don't know if you guys have ever been on the lake when it rains, but it's kind of scary. Like, you don't even have to be on the ocean. Even if you're just on the lake, it gets scary. And if you're in a boat, that rain is, like, pelting, pelting you. So if they're sailing at all, if they're moving at any motion of speed that's more than zero, they're getting hit with that rain. Those waves are tossing them back and forth. They're getting tiny glimpses of, of sight every once in a while from that lightning. Now we can't see. Pew. Oh, now it's gone again. And it's choppy. And so at about 3 a.m., it's a good time of day, um, around 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. That's cool. You know Jesus pulled that out of his pocket and was like, <laughs> swag. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys probably don't know what that word means. Um <laughs> Devin knows. Um, came walking toward them on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, 
They were terrified, and rightfully so. Like I was saying earlier, if that lightning is striking, you're just going to see a little bit. Could you imagine just being out on the choppy lake and... What was that over there? Bam. And it gets closer. Like, whoop, guys, guys, wake up, because there is something out there. We're not in we're not in Ireland, and I think that's Nessie. I don't know, man. <laughs> and uh it's it gets closer and bam! Oh, that's a that's a dude, that's a person on the water walking. That's not normal at all. And they see that, and in fear, they cry out, it's a ghost! Ah! I don't like ghosts. You like ghosts? Yeah, good. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm just getting more and more excited. And they think it's a ghost. That's, that's kind of funny to me that, like, they thought about ghosts back then, and then they're like, oh, it's a ghost. He's wearing a sheet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I love you guys. I do. Um, but Jesus spoke to them. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. I kind of imagine Peter's like, who's, who's here? <laughs> I can't see you. It's kind of dark. But you sound like my teacher, Jesus. <laughs> and, and they realize, oh, wait a minute. That's our Lord. That's our teacher. That's Jesus. And Peter, being the bold, bold young or middle-aged or old man that he is, he says, well, Jesus, if it's really you and you're not a ghost in a bed sheet, then how about you let me come and walk on that water with you? And Jesus, being the cool buddy that he is to Peter, he says, he says, well, come. He says, yes, come. Step out into the water. And so I would imagine in this moment, it's still choppy. It's not like you got flat water. It's kind of, you know, it's choppy. It's wavy. There's some wake going. The buoys are moving around. And you're like, well, I mean, Jesus, he's like raised people from the dead and like spit in their eyes and they can see and done some awesome stuff. I'm just going to trust him. So Peter steps out. Oh, that's kind of, he's kind of nice. Jesus, this is fun. Why don't we do this for fun? This is cool. Forget fishing. I want to be a water walker. Uh, this is kind of fun. Um, and so he starts walking towards Jesus and he's like, this is sweet. Nice. And then that wind picks up again. And I, I'd like to imagine it's kind of like a, a spooky movie where they're like trying to get you on the edge of your seat and then they're bam, big lightning strikes. <laughs> and, and that big lightning strikes and Peter's like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Jesus, I don't know if I can do this. This is terrifying. Why would you call me out to this? This is hard. Why would you ask this of me? And I would imagine that in that moment, he is terrified. And he starts to sink. But my favorite part is, he, Jesus isn't the kind of guy that's going to go, oh, well, should have listened. Should have trusted me, dude. No. The Bible actually says, it says he immediately grabbed his hand. He immediately reached out and grabbed him and picked him up out of the water. There is no hesitation. And, and do not doubt in your mind in this moment. When you're going through tough times, Jesus isn't just going to let you drown. He is going to pick you up. I'm preaching that to myself right now. Because life is hard sometimes. 
And if it weren't for Jesus in our life, it would be a lot harder. <laughs> but we are so fortunate to have a Savior that loved us so much that when his daddy asked him, I need you to go down to earth. Because I'm a man of my word, I need you to go down to earth and be that blood sacrifice once for all. I need you to go down there and die on that cross. You need to be that sacrifice and take on all of that sin. And Jesus, being the loving, awesome Savior that he is, he says, yes, sir, I will do that. And he came down, and he died on that cross for us. So you best believe that when times get hard, our God that is willing to do that for us and was willing to live 33 years on this crazy mud ball that we call earth and sacrifice it all for us, you best believe he's going to reach out for you. When times get tough and times get hard and you're stressing out, life gets hard. But Jesus is there to reach out to you. And it goes on. And so when he's, he fell in, he said, save me. And Jesus saved him. He said, you goofball, you should have trusted me. That's not what he said. He said, you have such little faith. Why did you ever doubt me? And Jesus kind of has the right to be frustrated a little bit, you know. I mean, he's Jesus. He's a trustworthy bloke. And when Peter falls, he says, no, I love you. I'm going to save you. Yes, sir. I got you. And <laughs> I had a buddy in college who, Maurice, he had a narration for this. That was just left me rolling. He was like, you know, he's not going to, like, grab your hand and drag you through the water. Like, okay, let's get back in the boat. <laughs> and you're like, blah, 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 swallowing the salt water, whatever it is. No. No, he picked him up. He said, I got you. Walking on water, carrying another dude. Plopped down into the boat and sat him down. Put him on his lap or something. And probably said, hey, man, what happened out there, buddy? What happened? Well, Jesus, man, it just... Those waves got high, and when that lightning went, bam, it scared me. <laughs> I'm sorry. It scared me. And, Lord, it, it got hard. <laughs> I, I kind of did that on purpose. It was kind of fun. <laughs> I'm sorry if I scared anybody in here. Uh, I know I got these. Okay. But, you know, he says, well, why would you do that? Why didn't you trust me, son? I told you I'd be there for you. I said, come. I wasn't playing a prank on you. And I just, I'm, I'm, I imagine, it, you don't even have to put Peter's words out there. You could just put yourself in that circumstance and think, well, God, it was hard, man. I was, my kid was getting hungry. We were running out of diapers. We were late on the electricity bill, and I had to take cold showers for a week. Whatever it is, you know, I've gone through some tough times in my life. I, I will tell you right now, I am very fortunate to have an amazing father on earth. A father that put me through my entire first year of Bible college on debt. A father that was unemployed for the last two years of my high school career. And the entire first year of my college career, he put my entire, entire year's tuition and housing on a credit card. When he didn't have a job. Because he knew... That's what the Lord had called me to do. 
But that's scary. That's hard. I tell you, that whole first year that I was in Bible college, I I didn't have a job. I didn't have my truck. I didn't have my dad sending me money. I didn't even own, a, like, a card. <laughs> like, what he did, what my dad did in that moment, once a month I would get an envelope with a $20 bill, and that was my groceries and everything that I needed for an entire month. And that was tough. I've had some hard times. And that's not like a, f- a flex or a, hey, well, you know, I made it. Look at me. That's not that. That's just to say life is hard sometimes, and we get dealt hard hands. I've gone through some t- tough stuff in my life physically. I've had to live in and out of a hospital for the f- the entire childhood, 5 to 17 in and out of hospitals, breaking my legs and fixing them on crutches, on wheelchairs, getting bullied and made fun of. Life was hard. And I'm sure some of you guys can relate to that, whether it's unemployment or it's the loss of a loved one. It doesn't matter what it is. But I bet you that Jesus was there. And you might not have even known him. You might have been going through a tough time. You might have been running from him. And he was still just ready to swoop you right up. It's like the story of the prodigal son. Whenever that son went and just tarnished all of all of his dad's earnings that he had given to him his birthright, when he had come back, the dad wasn't just like, okay. Hey, come on, son. He ran to him, picked him up and spun him around and squeezed him so tight and said, I love you so much. I'm so glad that you're back. Please trust me. Why? Just stay with me. I need you to trust me. Whenever we go through those tough times, God is going to be there with us. And I just want to read one last bit of scripture. It's in the book of James. It's going to be in the first chapter. And I'm sure all of you have heard this verse before. This is one of my favorite verses because it speaks so closely to my testimony in my life. Verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, when those waves get high, when those bills keep coming and that money doesn't, when you tried to order some cribs on Facebook and then they didn't come in, so you had to spend them on (laughs) Walmart.com, whatever it is, whenever you've been begging somebody to come and help at the church and they just didn't, whatever it is, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Because this is something that's going to strengthen you and make you stronger. Am I good? We're good? Okay. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed... You will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And that's going to be in heaven. And that's a cool place. I read that in a book somewhere. Whenever you you are out on the edge of that diving board of life, and God is calling you out to do something, or maybe you're out on the waves and you're going through that tough time, know that Daddy's got you, and he will catch you every time. And he will carry you if need be. 
but he needs you to trust him. When you're walking hand in hand with him, you need to know that he's leading the way and that he is worthy of your trust. Don't let go of that. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I love you so much, God. I just pray in this moment that, Lord, you would be speaking into our hearts, that you would be reminding us of your goodness, because, Lord, unfortunately, we are so forgetful. Lord, we need reminders. God, I pray just right now that whoever in here is going through that tough time, God, maybe they are. They're waiting on some important news. God, maybe they're holding out on some finances. God, maybe they are just waiting to see what it is that you have called them into. Lord, I pray that you would be speaking to them. That Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. God, we invite your peace into our hearts and into our minds, God. We rebuke stress, God. I pray that you would relieve us of stress. That we would just take a deep breath in your presence right now. And let it all out. God, we love you so much. And if it weren't for you, God, we'd still be drowning. God, we owe you everything. pretty close to wrapping up, but I, I, I would just love to spend some more time in the presence with you all. If you need to go, then I believe you're free, but I'm going to be down here. If you want some prayer, I would love to pray with you. Um, if anybody else would love to lead in prayer, you're welcome to come up with me. Yeah.